All right, everyone, welcome to part two of a series we're calling Stop Going to Church, and I'm glad you didn't listen to that. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to this new series. If you didn't get to watch last week, I would encourage you to go watch last week. You'll find out a little bit of why we're calling this series Stop Going to Church. We're talking about the purpose and the, and the why behind it, and hopefully after last week, you, just, you did stop going, and uh, you started getting connected, and we talked about spiritual family last week. This week, we're going to talk about... Uh, that the church is not a hotel, it's a hospital. And what does that look like for us? But um, if you want to follow along, we have actually these notes in our app. If you have our OSC Connect app, you can download that as well and follow along in these notes. I want to start off with a question, and uh, you can just raise your hand if this applies to you as well as online. How many in here have ever broken a bone? Raise your hand if you've ever broken a bone. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, a lot of clumsy people. Okay, no, all right. Something has happened. I, I've, I've broken a couple bones in my life. Uh, the first bone that I ever broke was my nose. Um, I broke it to a ground ball to the face. Um, man, it's just, that, how many know that just makes you feel good right there? Baseball to the face. Uh, I broke my, my finger playing basketball. I know many of you have asked me, why does my finger do what it does? Um, if you've ever watched me and I have my hands like this, y'all notice that that does that right there? Thanks, Mom. Um, should, I probably shouldn't have got this fixed, but I didn't, and uh, sure enough, now my finger is always curved all the time. I, uh, I broke my foot playing basketball, came, up for, came down for a rebound and landed on somebody else's foot. Uh, it's all around sports. I need to stop playing sports. <laughs> but my last bone that I broke was the actual most painful bone I've ever broken in my entire life. And uh, if you don't know this story, you're about to hear the story. This one hurts like crazy. I was, uh, I was mowing my grass at my house, and for many months, I had a limb that was leaning. It had kind of broken off at the, at the, at the, at the trunk, but it wasn't fully off quite yet, but it was leaning. And so for months, I had been mowing around it, weeding around it, mowing around it, and eventually it came to a place where I was like, I, I need to move this so I can mow more. So instead of moving the tree trunk, like, you know, just kind of pushing it out of the way, I mean, this thing's probably about 30 feet long. I mean, it was a huge trunk. I decided to straddle the tree trunk. And uh, as I went to straddle it, y'all can already imagine what's already happening here. I go to pick it up, and as soon as I pick it up off the ground, it had rotten enough at the tree that it fell. Now, I don't know, any of y'all ever been on a seesaw? Y'all <laughs> been on a seesaw before? Y'all ever been on a seesaw where you were at the top and they were at the bottom and they got off? Okay, so imagine a 30-foot tree right here came falling from this height up here and hit the ground. Do you know what happens to the other side of it when it falls? So it came up with as much force and vengeance as it possibly could, and it sprung me right off of the ground. I flew over. Uh, I had headphones. Those flew out of my ears. I mean, everything was out. And I was just like, what in the world just happened? And then all of a sudden, excruciating pain in the lower extremities began to start happening to the point that I tried to stand up, and I couldn't stand up. So I army crawled all the way to the back of my house, and I banged on the back kitchen door and Lindsay comes running to the glass door and she's, she's looking at me and she's like, what happened? What? She's like, did you fall off the roof? I'm like, I wasn't on the roof, woman. I was mowing the grass. 
And so she, I'm, I'm, I'm army crawling into the kitchen. She's pulling me into the kitchen. She's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm like, I don't know. Just get some ice. Get ice. Get ice. So she grabs some ice. She's like, where do I put it? I'm like, on my butt. Just put it on my butt. Just lay it there. So puts it on my butt, and the pain goes from a level 9 to a level 100 when ice got put on it. And she's like, what do we do? And I'm like, you got to get me to the hospital. I, don't, I think something's not right. Um, and so we, we, I hobble myself into the, into, the, into the car. She gets me in, and we take off to the hospital. We get to the hospital and finally get into the ER emergency room. And so, of course, when you get in there, they're like, what happened? I'm like, my butt hurts, okay? Just, I just need you to figure out what's up with my butt. And, uh, and so, sure enough, here's my, here's my infamous hospital picture right here. <laughs> this is what happens when you hurt your butt. And so they, they, you know, did some tests and some x-rays. I had to go in. You know, and every time you go to new people, every person wants to know, so what happened? <laughs> At some point, you just start making up stories. You know what I mean? And so we do an x-ray, and sure enough, I literally broke my butt bone. There's a bone there. I don't know if you know it. It's very small. There's a word for it. I'm just not going to say it. But there's a word for it. And I broke it. And you don't realize how much you use your butt bone until you break it. And then you realize it's not just there for sitting, like coughing, sneezing, chewing, smiling. (laughs) I mean, like everything you do gets felt in the butt bone. And then I had to, I had to, for the next couple of weeks, I had to have the hemorrhoid pillow. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where you got to wear the pillow everywhere. It's just terrible. It's a terrible situation. And it was excruciating. I've had my nose broken, finger broken, foot broken. Never want my butt to be broken ever again. Yeah, it's painful. The reason I say all that is because on the way to the hospital, uh, there's a couple different signs that you see. And, and so I want to show you a couple of different signs that you've seen. You've seen them when you've been on the interstate. One of them is this one right here. And this is a sign full of what? What are these? Okay. <laughs> it's like a trick question. Like, I don't know, a sign. I don't, yes, it is a sign. It's, it's hotels, okay? It's hotels. When I broke my butt, I wasn't looking for this sign. I was looking for this sign. Let me show you the other sign. I'm looking, I'm looking for this one. This is the sign that I'm looking for because I want to go to this place. Now, here's the deal. Both of these places, this sign and all the ones prior, both exist to serve people, right? Both of them exist to serve people, to help people, but two totally different purposes that they were created for. One is to serve people, but to serve people in one way, and another one is to serve people but to serve them in a different way. I did not want to go stay at the Holiday Inn with a broken butt. I wanted to go to a hospital. I needed a hospital in the moment because there's a very big difference between a hospital and a hotel. And so I want to show you this because I want to unpack a little bit of what this is. We've been talking about the way you view the church, however you view it, is usually how you experience it. It's usually the expectations you have of it. And so last week we talked about the difference between a special event that you go to and a spiritual family you connect to. And if you go to church as a special event, you you interact with it differently than if it's a spiritual family. I'll say the same is if you view the church as a hotel versus if you view the church as a hospital. 
And so let me show you a couple things. Uh, I'll give you some notes if you want to take some notes. Just contrasting the two. So hotel is a place I want to go to. Um, we make reservations for this place. We look forward to this place that we get to go to. A hospital on the other end is usually a place that I have to go to. Uh, how many of you, you had family members or people that were like, I'm taking you to the hospital? Anybody? And you did not want to go. Three honest people. Okay, all right. So we've, we've probably been there before. Or, or maybe a doctor's office, however you would want to put it. Let me show you another one. A hotel is uh, all about comfort. It's all about just making you as comfortable as possible, whereas at a, as a hospital, it's all about care. It's all about taking care of the needs of the person, however that may be. Another reason, a hotel is all about what I want. It's all about my preferences. It's all about what I desire. I want more pillows. I want more stuff. I, w- I want room service. I don't want this room. I want that room. I, you can choose based off of what you want. But, but at a hospital, it's not about what I want. It's what I, what I need. How many know sometimes you can go to a hospital and you may want something, but they go, that's not what you need. Uh, when our son was in the hospital, uh, there was one time right before he was to have a surgery, he went NPO. Any, any medical people in here that know what MPO means, means you can't have any food or drink, can't, can't have any of that. And it was a very, very long time that he went. And I just remember him talking about, Dad, I want some to drink. Dad, I want some to eat. Dad, I'm hungry. I'm... And however much I went to the doctors and said, hey, he would like to have something to eat or drink, they said, no, can't have it. Because it wasn't based off of what he wanted, it was based off of what he, what he needed. And, and the same is true when we go into any hospital. And I think the same is true also when it comes into church. How many know we want to go into church and we want to hear what we want, but sometimes how many know you need to hear what you, what you need, what you need? And so the same is true, let me give you another one, with this. <clears throat> a hotel is a place that I go to relax and I go to just to enjoy. It's a place that, that is really just for my enjoyment. Hopefully I leave more refreshed and enjoyed. But in a hospital... You go to get help and to get healing. And to get help and to get healing, maybe it might be that you don't really enjoy it, but it actually is for your best. And so I want to correlate these two because when you look around our world right now, you look around our nation and our community, how many know there are a lot of broken people right now? A lot of people that are hurting, a lot of people that are struggling. And I love how God built the church to be a a people who can help broken people find healing and find help. And how many know brokenness affects everybody? You can be white and broken. You can be black and broken. You can be young and broken. You can be old and broken. You can be single and broken. You can be married and be broken. I'll even put it this way. Not, you don't necessarily have to be addicted to something to be broken. How many know you can go to church every week and still be broken. And so it's important for us to understand that brokenness is something that we all deal with in different areas of our life. We all have different areas that we struggle with, we're broken in, and we all need a people, we need a place, we need a gathering of people that can help us get healing in these areas of our life. So I wanna read a scripture, passage of scripture in Matthew chapter nine, and we're gonna look at the story of Jesus Um, bringing one of his disciples, a guy by the name of Levi and Matthew, into this. Now, before I do that, let me give you one big thought. If you want to just write this down, and that is that the church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. Church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. And, and, 
And I'll unpack that more in just a minute. Let's read Matthew chapter 9. So Matthew chapter 9, Jesus um, invites a guy by the name of Levi or Matthew. He's got two different names. You can go by him. And he's a tax collector. If you know anything about tax collectors in those days, they are not by any regards the people that, that the Jewish people love. Because the tax collectors were usually Jewish people. They were their own people. But they, were, they, they worked for the Roman government to get taxes from their own people. They would tax their own people. But if you know anything about it, what they would do is they would, they would give, make them pay more taxes than they actually should pay the Roman government. So like, let's say they owed the government $50. They would charge them $100. They would get 50 to Romans, and then they would, they would take the other 50. So they were stealing from their own people. So they were the, some of the most hated people by the Jewish people. And here we are, Jesus is picking his team of guys he's going to have on his team, and he picks this dude to be on his team. And, and, and watch what Matthew does. So Matthew invites Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. Go back real quick. Goes back as dinner guests along with, what, what, is it, what kind of friends does a tax collector have? <laughs> other tax collectors. And watch how they describe his other friends. And disreputable sinners. Come on, how many know that's a cool posse right there? <laughs> that's, like a, that's like a band name, tax collectors and the disreputable sinners. All right. The next verse. So Jesus and his disciples are hanging out with these guys, and it says the Pharisees, who were the, the churched people, the religious people, the people that quote-unquote followed God, saw all this, and they asked his disciples. Notice they didn't ask Jesus, they asked the disciples. Hey, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And uh, I love Jesus because Jesus always, is, always hears. It's like mom. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can talk behind your mom's back, and she's like, I heard that. This is what Jesus was like because Jesus goes, watch what the next verse. Jesus says, <laughs> when Jesus heard this, he goes, everybody help me with this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. So for the rest of today's message, I want to invite you into Dr. Belt's office. We're going to have a little, we're gonna have a little session today. We're going to do a little um, test and kind of see where we are and how we are doing and what this looks like for the church. So I'm going to give you three thoughts today on how the church is called to be a hospital for a broken humanity. First thing is this. Number one, hospitals exist for sick people. Hospitals exist for sick people. Uh, you don't go into any hospital at all and are blown away when you see people that are throwing up, bleeding, or sick. You expect it. You know that there, people are going into it for that reason. They need, they need help. Now, when you go to a hotel, though, by the way, you don't expect to see blood throwing up. And people that, that's the furthest away that you possibly see because your, your expectation going into a hotel is cleanliness and everything's good and nobody's bothering me and all of that. But when you go into a hospital, you expect to see some, some brokenness. And the same should be true for the church. That when you enter into a church, that it, shouldn't, it should be no surprise that when you walk in here and you see people who are broken and hurting and, oh my God, did you see what she was doing last weekend? Yeah, that's why she's in church. She needs Jesus just as much as you do. Come on, somebody. And so Some of y'all walked in here like, what is he doing here? And they looked at you and go, what are you doing here? Because this is, this is a place, this should be a safe place for people. And if you notice, one of, the, one, one of the people that Jesus was most comfortable around was broken people. Did y'all ever notice that broken people loved being around Jesus? They absolutely loved being around him. They loved it. Jesus had a way of just 
of, of showing such grace and compassion for people that were in broken states because he knew that everything that was going on in their life was because there was something broken inside of them. And he knew that he had the solution for them. And so, so how do you get sick people to get healthy? You gotta be around them. But I love this about Jesus because Jesus wasn't worried about them touching him because he knew that them touching him wouldn't make him dirty. Him touching them would make them whole. And this is, this is why it's so important for us to be a place for people to be able to come in and be bleeding and hurting and broken in whatever areas of your life, whether it's in your heart or in your mind or in your relationships or your finances, is that you can come into a place where you can find a place that that's welcome, welcomes you with where you are. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that Jesus' friends and his family were even broken. Think about the guys that Jesus chose. Matthew, tax collector, broken. Peter, had an anger issue and could not control his mouth. Does that make any of y'all feel good? Okay, that's <laughs> on the way here to church. Okay, um, Paul killed Christians. I mean, we can go down the list of the guys that were on his team, on his team that had some major, major issues. And then you look at Jesus' actual family. Come on, how many of you got family that you want to introduce and then you got family that you have to explain? You know what I'm talking about? Jesus had family he had to explain. Like, if you go look in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Jesus, all the different names, him begat him and begat him, begat him, begat him. There's a lot of begatting. Um, there was Tamar. There was Rahab. Y'all know who Rahab is? Like, you look in the Old Testament, Rahab was a prostitute. And then you look at Tamar. Tamar, Tamar wanted a, a, a child so bad that she seduced her father-in-law to sleep with her. Come on, how many know that had to be a surprise when the baby came out? Who's the daddy? Oh, you grandpa daddy. <laughs> it's like Jerry Springer show. What's going on here? <laughs> now, here's the craziest part of this. What, ready? Watch this. What Jesus was telling us is I didn't just come for sinners. I came from sinners. I came through them. Like Jesus even looks back at his family and goes, <laughs> they need me. <laughs> they need me. And so it should be encouraging wherever you are. If you're in a place right now that's broken or you're in a place that, and I don't, I don't know how God could love me. I don't know. I feel like I'm too far from it. I, I just want you to know you're welcome here. Romans 3 tells us this. Ready? This is for all of us. Ready? Romans 3 says, everybody say this first word. All. Come on, say it again. All. all. Okay. All right. You know what all in the Greek is? All. Okay, all right. <laughs> Someone's like, I don't know. I don't know. A little bit? I don't know. No, it's all. All have? Sin. Okay, now look at the person next to you. Tell them, sinner. Just come on. You know you've been wanting to do it for a while. Okay, all right, there you go. Now you got it out. All have sinned. All have sinned. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. All of us. All of us. Just remind you that all of us, so if you're here and you've got some brokenness, all of us do. Now, we may be in different seasons, and, and maybe we've gotten some healing in certain areas, and there's other people that it's fresh, and, but I'm going to tell you, some of you are struggling with addiction, and some of you have come out of it, but we're all kind of have been there in different ways, whether it's been pride issues or heart issues or relational issues or all of us have sinned. All of us have broken commandments. All of us have broken the heart of God. All of us are in this place, and that's why it's so important for you to hear this. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay. 
to not be okay. I pray, I pray, I pray that our Savior's church will always stay a place and a people who welcome people who are hurting, broken, and bleeding. And for you to know, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. I know you can walk into church and it seems like everybody's got their little perfect family together. And I know that you go on Facebook and all of their family photos look perfect. You weren't at the photo session. I'm going to tell you right now, it wasn't as perfect as they posted. I'll tell you what, that dad behind that kid is, is pinching his kid when he smiles. You don't know, I'm telling you. And we come and we put the face on and everything looks good. And like, man, how are you? I'm like, I'm blessed. All right. And then their wife's like, oh, no, we're not. We've all been there. We've all been there. And I, and I pray that this would be such a safe place that, that you could kind of pull that off and expose some of your brokenness. Because it's not until we get honest that we get healed. But, but, but I know the first thing you've got to do is you've got to feel safe. Because if you don't feel safe, if I go to a doctor and I don't feel like he's going to help me, I'm not going to show him anything. But you just need to know that you've got a, you've got a safe place to do that. But when you look at this story, the story of Matthew and his friends and Jesus hanging out with them, you know what's most concerning? It's not the people that are with him that are sick and know they're sick. It's the people who are with them that are sick and don't think they're sick. Look what he says in the rest of this verse in verse 13, because he speaks to the Pharisees and he tells them this. Everybody that's in the room, he says this. I don't think I have it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. It says, then Jesus added, so after he said, I didn't come for just the, the healthy people, I came for sick people, he adds this, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. This is what he's telling these guys. You offer all these sacrifices, you give all this stuff to the church, you give all this time, you know all this scripture, that's awesome, but I, could you just show some mercy? For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. The sickest people in that room were not the tax collectors and the disreputable sinners. The sinners actually are the sickest people in that room were actually the Pharisees. Think about the people who actually crucified Jesus. It wasn't the disreputable sinners that crucified Jesus. It was the Pharisees. To think in our mind that for somehow we are better than others, that is actually the sickest place we can be. Are y'all with me? Anytime we elevate ourselves over other people, whether it's we elevate them over another religion, we elevate them over another race, we elevate them over another financial status, we elevate in any regard. Tell me, no, that's still pride and you're still sick. Man, let, let, may we be a people who show mercy and grace and humility. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we claim we have no sin, man, I'm good, I'm good. If you claim that, we are only, everybody help me, we're only what? We're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And that apart from Christ, we're not just sick. How many know apart from Christ, we're dead? This isn't a message, by the way, to come and you just need to get yourself better. This is, a, this is a, a message of, yeah, you need to get into church. But the truth is, apart from Christ, we're not, we're not bad people. We're dead people. And because of what Christ has done, he comes and makes us alive. So first thought, hospital is for sick people. So if you, if you walk in here and you feel sick in any regards, welcome home. Number two, a hospital focuses on treatment, not judgment. 
Now, I wish I could say that would be the same for the church, but it's not. There's many, many that have probably not gone to church because you felt like as you've walked in, you got judgment before you ever got treatment. I pray that we would be much like a, a hospital in regards when I got rushed to the, to the emergency room with Lindsay and we got in there and they're like, what's going on? I'm like, my, my tailbone, it hurts, whatever. And, and they ask, okay, what happened? I tell them what happened. The, the doctor didn't say, okay, hold on. Before we go do any exams, can I just tell you what you probably should have done? You probably should not have straddled the thing. You probably should not have. He didn't tell me all the things that I shouldn't have done. You know what he did? Okay, let's go get this test, and let's get this test, and let's get this thing, and let's get this thing. He, he went to treatment, and then how many know afterwards, my wife said, you probably shouldn't have done this. <laughs> Save the judgment for her, okay? So she did not. But I, isn't this the case, though, that... that in a hospital, when you go in, it's not, they're not giving you the things that you shouldn't have done. They're just coming in and going, okay, let's just try to fix the situation. Now, down the road, we may start talking through like, hey, you might need to stop smoking, and maybe you need to stop you know, eating KFC every night, and uh, maybe you need to stop. You know, there will be things that come along with that, but on the first part, it's, it's, all, about, it's all about the treatment. It's all about starting, getting that. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 8, look what, look what it says. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your, everybody help me with this, lean on your what? Your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Now watch this, because he's going to say this again in another way. So if you're not supposed to lean on your own understanding, you need to acknowledge all your, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he's going to make your straight, straight your paths. Now watch this. The next verse says this. Be not wise in your, in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment, which in the Greek is medicine, to your bones. Notice twice in there he says to acknowledge him. To Go, go back to the first one, the verse right before. Okay, don't lean on your, your own understanding. Don't lean on that. Don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. We have a lot of people right now that are in culture that are, are trying to be wise in their own eyes, leaning on their own understanding. Y'all ever recognize how many doctors we have on Facebook now? There's a lot of doctors. I didn't realize we had so many doctors in our church. It's amazing how people who didn't go to many, many years of profession and schooling have so much opinions about what they think should be right in whatever category it may be. Because we want to be wise in our own eyes. We have our own opinions and our own things and our own thoughts. And I'm not saying every doctor is right by any regards, but they did go to school. They do know. And we will never really fully know what someone else is going through until we put ourselves in their shoes. And I'm not saying we can't disagree with people in any regards, but I... I bring all that up because not only is it something that we do to one another, I think it's the same thing we do to God. I think we tell God all the time how he should run things. And specifically how our life should be ran. But can I ask you this question? How has running your own life been for you? I know for me, it's only led to more pain, 
It's only led to more sadness. It's only led to more brokenness. And I know that this, this scripture tells me for me to trust in the Lord with all my heart, to not lean on my own understanding, to not be wise in my own eyes, to turn away from evil that's in my own heart. And when I turn to God and allow him to say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say in this situation? What do you need from God? How do I? This is what happens. When we come to God, God gives us an assessment. So when we go into a hospital, when I went into the hospital and the doctor asked what happened, the first thing he does is, okay, we need to get an x-ray. Okay, we need to see if this thing is actually broke or not. Do you really have a broke butt or is it a bruised butt? So we go in and I do the x-ray and we come out and he goes, that's a broke butt. (laughs) But he had to do the test to figure out where I was at. Okay, track with me here, okay? So the test revealed what was really going on inside of me. The same thing happens when we submit our life to the Lord when we submit our life to him, how many know God puts us through a test? It's like a scanner. And he goes, you think you have a fear issue, but the truth is, is that it's not just a fear issue, you have a daddy issue. Or you're so worried about finances, but the truth is, is that you're not honoring God in your finances. And so what ends up happening is we come to him and go, oh, it hurts here. And God goes, no, you know why it hurts here? It's because it hurts here. And if we get this fixed, we get this fixed. You ever been to a chiropractor? Man, I got fi- tingling in my toes. And he's like, doing all stuff with your back? I'm like, it's not my back, it's my toes. And he's like, no, we fixed the back. We'll fix the toes. Y'all know what I'm saying? And this is what happens when you come into hopefully a place and around a people that are centered around Jesus is that when we get in front of Jesus, that Jesus does a diagnostics on this because you can't get treatment if you don't get truth. You have to get truth first. God, what are you speaking to me? But remember, it's got to be grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. So he welcomed people that were broken, but then he said, okay, it's okay to not be okay, ready? But it's not okay to stay there. So now let's fix this. Let's reset some broken areas. Let's fix some things that are hurting. And so what ends up happening is we want God to come in and fix the outside, but there's something on the inside that's broken. And so the hospital is a place for you to get treatment, to get the right treatment. And uh, I mean, we've had countless people that have gone into a doctor because they had a, a pain or something. My wife had this just even recently. Had some pain that was going on, did some scans, and found something else. And then said, okay, we got to deal with this if we want to get this fixed. And the same is true. How many know that's what Jesus does? Jesus dives into the heart issues of what's going on. Let's get that fixed. And when we get that fixed, it does everything else. Are y'all with me? Okay, so we need treatment. We don't need judgment. We need treatment. And treatment comes with truth. But if we're all honest, okay, let's just be really vulnerable right here. I love going to a Sunday service that encourages me, blesses me, and tells me how favored I am. I really don't like going to one that tells me I have an issue. And I definitely don't like one that gets up in my business and tells me that there's some sin things that are going on. So what ends up happening is we get into church for a little bit, and it feels good for a little while, but then you start getting in relationship with people, and then you start getting around other people that start telling some truth to you to get some treatment, and you say this, don't judge me. Don't judge me, who you think you are. I'm trying to be someone who loves you. I remember uh, 2014, 
For those that know, in 2013, we did a, we did a race called Color Free Cure. And it was an incredible race, and many of you were there and helped us pull this incredible race off, and we saw thousands of people and raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it was amazing. So we went for year two, 2014, we said, we're going to do it again and do it bigger and better, and we were doing it, and it was going huge, and it was awesome. And I was about a week from the race, and Pastor Bubba calls me, and he says, Josh, where are you at? I said, I'm at home. And he's like, stay there. I'm going to be there in a minute. When your pastor says that, you just start doing soul searching, like, oh, God, what's going on? Okay, what's, what's happening? Where, where? So he shows up in my house, and he says, hey, man, how, how are you doing? I'm like, ah, we're good, we're good. How's the race going? Oh, it's going, it's good, it's good, man. It's... And he says, hey, man I, just, man, I just wanted to speak to you like a daddy. He said, I, I think everything you and Lindsay are doing is amazing, it's awesome, it's great. He said, but I want to ask you one question. He says, if you knew your son only had a month left to live, would you regret spending all of this time? Because I was spending probably 40 or 50 hours in this race doing stuff, getting all this stuff for months. He said, would you look back at this time and regret that you spent more time raising money for your son and for the disease than spending time with your son who has the disease? And... Uh, I just started breaking down. I just started crying. I said, I know, but so many people are counting on us, and we got thousands of kids that have this, and they're waiting on us. And he said, yeah, but you only got one son, and he needs his dad. And you only got one family, and they need their dad and their husband. And he said, I, I just want to let you know, you're not doing this again. You're done. And inside of me, I'm like, who do you think that you are telling me that I'm not going to do this again? And I went in, and I went inside. Lindsay's like, what, what did he talk about? And I was like, he told me I can't do it again. <laughs> and she was like, thank God. All right, thank <laughs> And we never did it again. But I'm really grateful he, he called it out. Because I probably would have kept going. We'd, we'd be on year seven now. But, um, and we probably would have raised a ton of money. But my kids are grateful I didn't do it again, and my wife is grateful we didn't do it again. Are y'all seeing that? Even though it was a good thing, it was still sucking energy from me and making it a bad thing. Are y'all with me? And I could have been like, who are you to judge me? Look how good this is. And, but I said, you know what? He loves me, and he loves me enough to tell me the truth. When's the last time someone was in your life that loved you enough to tell you the truth and loved you well enough to tell you truth that they know if they told you this, it could ruin the relationship? But they loved you enough to risk it and said, you know what? I'm not going to stab you in the back. I'm going to just stab you in the front. Yeah. I'm here thankful for the friends that actually stab you in the front and not just in the back. And you say, hey, listen, are y'all with me? Hey, listen, it's not comfortable. It's not fun. But can I tell you what? I'm a better husband, a better father, and a better pastor because Pastor Bubba stabbed me in the front more than he has anywhere else. And you and I need people in our life that will do that. And it's hard and it's painful. But how many know nobody sits on a surgery table when a surgeon is removing cancer and cursing the surgeon out? You know what you're doing? After that surgery's done and you got a scar from left to right, you look at the surgeon and go, thank you so much. But he just hurt you. Yeah, but he didn't hurt you. He healed you. And he's helping. Are y'all with me? Thank God for the great surgeon that does that for us as well. <laughs> Lastly, last one. Hospitals restore to full health. 
It's not just enough that we, we diagnose what the problem is, but we want to see full health. We want to see full health in all areas of our lives. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says it this way, and we're done. We're wrapped up. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole, now everybody say this, may your whole spirit and, and be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Here we go, verse 24. And God will make this happen. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Here's the question, though. How does God make you holy, body, soul, and spirit? How does he do that? He does it with people, right? He does it with his truth, with his word. He does it with the spirit. But he does it in many different ways. But, but God is the one who makes it happen. And I say this all the time. You know, the, I believe God radically saved my soul. But the church saved my life. Saved my life. And I look back at all the things in my life, and it's been, a lot of it has been done in the church. It's been done in the church. My, my, not only my body being healed, but my soul being killed and my spirit being healed. How many know if everything in your body is healthy, but your liver is, is failing? How many know you're not healthy? Are y'all with me? Every part of us needs to be whole. Body, soul, and spirit. God desires for us to be fully restored to full health. You go into a hospital, and they help you, and they triage you in the moment, and then your doctor will sit down with you and goes, I need you to take this pill, I need you to do this, I need you to go to this rehab, and I need you to do this and this and this. How many know you can be like, what are you talking about? I'm good. And you can walk out. But how many know you're probably going to be right back in there pretty soon unless you begin to follow the process of full healing. So healing, two thoughts, takes time. Healing takes time time. It takes time. It's a process. It's a work in process. We're all works in process. It's always taking time. How many of you got people that are doing stuff that are stupid and you would wish that they would change quickly? Anybody? <laughs> like, why don't you get it? Why don't you get it? Why don't you? And they just can't get it. It just seems like they can't get it, but they're in process. And the, my Bible says, I don't know about yours, but my Bible says the righteous falls down seven times, but he gets back up again. He gets back up again. He gets back up again. Are you going to be perfect? No. Are you going to fall? Yes. Are you going to say stuff you shouldn't have? Yeah. All, many of the disciples did that. But yet they got back up again and got back up again and got back up again. Healing is a process. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. We're all in process. 1 Thessalonians uh, 5 says it, uh, verse 14 says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak. But the end says this, what? Be patient with, oh, oh. Some of y'all need to like paste that somewhere so you see it all the time. Be patient with, everyone. It just takes time. It takes time. Healing's a process. It's not an event. It's not an event. It just takes time. It takes time. Last one, healing takes a team. It takes a team. So when we went, um, every time we go to bring Joel to the doctor or specifically to the hospital for surgeries or procedures, or whatever it is, there's a team of hospital people. 
There's respiratory, there's physical therapy, there's the, the doctor himself, there's the surgeon, there's the nurses, there's the clerical, there's the administrators. There's, like, there's a whole team of people that care for my son. We have home health. We have, I mean, there's just a whole group of people. Can I tell you the same is true for you and I? For us to get to where God wants us to be, I fully believe it takes a team to make it happen. Come on, how many know you need a pastor, you need life group leaders, you need friends, you need mentors, you need spiritual sons, you need, you need people around you that can speak. And look, I don't ever believe that one person is meant to be all that you need. Come on, how many need, you need a whole team of people around you. How many know I'm a project, I need a lot of people around me to help make this happen for all that God wants me to be. All that God wants me to do, it's going to take a team effort. And that's, the, that's what I love about the beauty of the church is we are a family and hopefully we are a team. If you see somebody that's discouraged, you encourage them. You see somebody that, that you, or you haven't seen in a while, you're calling them. Like You're going to make the effort to do this together. Hebrews 6 ends with this. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. I'm going to tell you like I told you last week, and that is that no matter what you go through, I just pray that you don't go through it alone. No matter what you're going through, I just pray that you're not doing it alone. And no matter what area of your life right now that you find yourself to be broken in, and I just pray that you have some people that you can walk through that process with. Relationships are messy. People are messy. Um, but we fight for them. We fight for them. We fight for our relationship with God. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. So I want to ask you a question. What healing is God trying to bring into your life? Why has God brought you into this church, and what part of your life is he trying to heal? We all got areas. What is it for you? And, and let me put it this way as well. If you are okay, Pastor Josh, I'm good. Watch this then your whole job should be help those who are not okay. <laughs> if you're good, then you need to get in the game and help people who are not good. You, you, you turn around go, and you go from being healed to now helping bring healing. You go from being freed to now helping bring freedom. Are, are y'all with me today? This is, this is what God, this is the cycle of reconciliation that God gives us. We've been saved, and then we go out and we help bring salvation to those. We herald this good news. I can't save anyone. I can't heal anyone, but I know someone who can, and he's way better at it than you and I are. Would you bow your heads in this place? Father, we love you. And God, in this moment, can we just ask that Holy, that Holy Spirit that question right now? God, what is the area of my life you're trying to bring healing? And I believe the Holy Spirit, he's going to speak to you right now. He's going to start showing you. Maybe, maybe it's many areas. That's fine. But God, what's, what are you trying to say to me today? If you're here in this room, you'd be honest. You'd say, Pastor Josh, I, I, I can identify right now. I know what area that is. I need God desperately to help bring some healing in this area of my life. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's self-centeredness. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's depression. 
I don't know. But God knows and you know. And you'd say, Pastor Josh, I, would, you, would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand all across this room? And that's you, just say, hey, man, I just, I'm going through stuff. We've got hands going all over it. If you're online right now and that's you, just, come on, we're going to pray for you. Father, right now in this moment, you can keep your hands up. Go ahead, just keep those up. This is a, we're acknowledging that. There's nothing wrong with that. Father, I pray right now for every, every hand that's raised that's in here and all those that are watching right now to say, man, that's, that's me. That's me. There's, I know Holy Spirit right now is trying to, trying to come bring some healing in this. We surrender to you today. We surrender to the voice of your Holy Spirit. We listen. God, I pray that we would do what Proverbs tells us, that we would trust you with all of our heart. We would not lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we would acknowledge you. Your word says that when we do that, you bring healing and refreshment. So right now, God, we we submit to the healing process. Submit to the healing process. God, we, we don't want this to define our lives. God, thank you today that you are a great physician and you don't reveal any areas of our heart unless you want to heal them. So today, there's no shame and there's no guilt. There's grace and mercy and healing that is found as we submit this to you. God, help us today. We know that healing is not an event, it's a process. So I pray, God, that over these next days, weeks, maybe months and even years, we would continue to walk this process out of seeing full healing in our lives. We pray this today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank Jesus for his word today?